from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the Red Platoon and the Cat. That's them there. That's them there. It's them. It is. It is. That's us. That's us. That is. Wait, so, so tomorrow, Morning. so he's not here tomorrow, yeah, and then if we take next Tuesday off, and yeah. then Dave, if you come in next Wednesday, okay, mate. and then are we on? You oh, are yeah. in sorry, a big glass house, young man. We're on. We're on. We're on. Oh, my bad. My bad. Sorry, 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 yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How are we all, you beautiful humans? Welcome to the Northeast Breakfast Show. Today is Ride's show, uh, so I suggest you turn down your speakers, turn down the volume because I'm going to be loud. Should we go uh, then, lads? as I am always? Uh, you, yeah, you three can go, go and get a bacon, cool. buddy. Yeah, get me you. a coffee as well. Yeah, see you, man. Uh, we got to start off with the shocking news that Ted is uh, is not going to be here tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. He's called in sick. Um, he he whoa, said whoa, that whoa. I whoa, he whoa, said whoa. that I cannot work under these circumstances anymore. Is he? Uh, he said yeah. that. Is he brown nosing? Uh, is he brown nosing again? Oh, what he's doing? I don't know what he's doing. Uh, but he's, he's, yes, client meetings, client meetings, client meetings. Client meetings. Yeah, yeah, listen to massaging him. Massaging the boss. Him. That's what it yeah. is. That's what it is. If Bill gets sacked tomorrow and then Ted's announced as manager on Friday, I tell you, it's going to be nothing would surprise us. No, 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 and, and I would be just as popular. <laughs> no, you might stand a chance, mate. You might stand half a chance. You might, you might last more than two games before they turn on you in their droves. But then again, maybe not. Maybe not. I reckon Steve and I could start the hashtag Ted out as well. I reckon we we, we might best start that. But uh, well, let's get on with the show. <laughs> well, we could. Oh, yeah, you know, we could. Mate, we're, we're preparing the ground for you. Let us talk. We're helping you. Talk, yeah. All right. Okay. We're trying to convince the masses. All three fans. We're trying to convince them. I don't know. Go on, let's run a poll. Who would they rather have in charge, me or, or Michael Beale? <laughs> ah, yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. I oh. want to see that poll, actually. <laughs> I reckon you'd get a few shouts. <laughs> On the show today, we're going to run that poll, let me tell you. Uh, and if you are a listener and you're a Mackham, let us know. Would you prefer Ted as your gaffer? Uh, over Michael Peel at the moment. Uh, we're going to talk about Kieran Scott, who was on the 12th Man podcast uh, two days ago, uh, and his points raised about the borough. They are doing the headlines and uh, had great insight there, and well done to the lads on the 12th Man podcast for that. I thought it was, in fact, uh, a fantastic interview. So we're going to talk about that, lads, and then I'm going to bring it into the uh, Sunderland and Newcastle world by asking them uh, if they would love to see more of those uh, in the Newcastle or Sunderland era uh, try and do more things on, the po- on podcasts or be more vocal uh, to the fans, uh, as we saw Kieran Scott was our football director of football. Um, we're going to talk about Lionel Messi and into Miami, who was booed uh, as he stayed on the bench. Uh, we were going to talk about this yesterday, but we ran out of time. But Messi and into Miami were touring uh, South Korea, Japan, and uh, Messi didn't play, lads. <laughs> it didn't go down too well. Uh, we're going to talk about a league, uh, a league two star uh, who has been commended for running his carpentry business as well as playing first team football. And I want to know from the lads, is it ever okay for a professional footballer to have a second job? Hey, well done to him. Uh, Just play for the Hammers. Ab- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nailed it, Len. Nailed it. Uh, oh! <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, the, at the moment, boys, uh, one of my second passions is cricket. I do love a bit of cricket, a bit of... Uh, bit of bat and ball uh, and unfortunately that due to a lack of interest uh, they are talking about cutting test matches especially here in Australia they were struggling with crowd numbers and investment 
Uh, they're talking about boxing matches as well, losing is interest, uh, investment, and we'll talk to Steve about that. I want to know why the uh, why that's happening to other sports, and will football be the only surviving sport? We're going to talk about a dinner date, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, dinner dates. I want to know from the lads, uh, all three of them, if they had the chance to have three guests at their dinner table, both past and present, who would they pick? And that goes out to you listeners as well. Is it celebrities? Anyone you want. Could be anyone in this whole entire world, past or present. Uh, And listeners, get involved in that as well. I want to hear from you, uh, past or present, who you would have at a dinner table if you could. The championship. Will it be easier next season? Kieran Scott on that 12th Man podcast said it possibly will be with the likes of Burnley, uh, Sheffield United and, and Luton potentially coming down. It may be an easier championship than we've seen this season with Leicester, Leeds and Southampton all being very, very financially stable clubs. They have dominated as we've seen. And then uh, we've got a couple of last little points as well. A man's been jailed after raking in tens of thousands of pounds, selling unlawful subscriptions to watch football. Going to talk to the lads about that. Is that okay or not and then Blackburn Blackburn are in big trouble lads Blackburn keep doing this and they had it in the last window and they've had it in this window now just gone as well Blackburn trying to sign Duncan Maguire an American striker that they believe is a clerical error on the EFL side of things of reason that striker hasn't walked in the door for Blackburn but it's happened twice in two windows what's happening at Blackburn we're all going to talk about that and more and probably some stuff that's never on that list but of course as always for your morning, we got to go around the three clubs and find out what's making news at your club. We do. What are we do? But the I club just, headlines. I've just got. To, I've just got to clarify for the listener. All that rise just mm-hmm. pointed out. We probably won't get through half of it. No, we won't go through if any a quarter. Twenty percent. No, no. If any no, of it no. at all. We're gonna- <laughs> We're going to talk about players' names that are rude. Yeah, uh, players' names that are rude. I like that one. Oh. Mackems oh, and Proud. <laughs> Good morning, Sunderland fans. Probably my last one before Dave listens to the podcast and I, I get will sacked. Be. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't oh, me. No. I'm not throwing the other two under the bus, yep. but it definitely wasn't me. It was me. me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I had a doozy at the end as well. <laughs> anyway, so I my wife. Out, oh sheesh! <laughs> we'll start that again. Should we start that again? Shall <laughs> we start it again? Let's then? Let, let's, let's rewind the Sunderland headline news. Okay, let's have done to the night of game. Here, here we go. Are you ready, mate? Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready. Okay, okay, okay. We'll see. Mackems and Proud. <laughs> Black Cat's news. First time. First take. Serious. Watch me fly. Serious news. Adil Aushish is capable of forcing his way into the Sunderland midfield, claims one of the club's coaches. Sunderland under-21's coach John Hewitson has backed Adil Aushish to make first-team breakthrough after an impressive showing in the Premier League Cup. He said he's a creative player and I think he's got a good character to have within the squad, Hewitson told the Sunderland Echo. His language is really good so he's able to communicate and express what he wants from his teammates around him very well. Aushish will certainly have moved up the pecking order with the midfield looking tired against Middlesbrough and, of course, the recent sale of Alex Pritchard. Luke 9 has thanked Sunderland fans for looking after him following his difficult start at the club and has vowed to continue to repay them by putting everything into the club. 9 has become a real hero at Sunderland, amassing more than 250 appearances for the Black Cats since joining as a relative unknown from Wickham in 2018. He said, The relationship I've got with the fans is incredible. It probably didn't go after the flying start that I wanted, and a few people did let me know that on social media. The fans, though, give me time to settle, and equally they've given me one of the best lives in the North East. They look after me, my family, my kids, and that's what's most important to me. And finally, if there's one topic that's divided some of the fans since promotion, it's been the club's spending. 
Simply put, as far as as many fans are concerned, Sunderland are just not spending enough. That's the opinion of respected Sunderland journalist Michael Graham, who went on to say... With the release of accounts by Hull City, who are just one point ahead in the league at this time, although their revenues went up, so were losses and wages. The headline figures certainly show a club having a real go under Turkish owner Akun Ilikali. Wages, though, have skyrocketed 86% to £24 million per year. That's 131% of revenue, which is clearly unsustainable. Little wonder then that Hull posted operating losses of £21 million for the season. Ultimately, we can see why Sunderland owners are using a different tactic, and time will tell who is in the right. There you go, Sunderland headlines. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Wednesday. Borough could have the most available they have ever had this season against Bristol City uh, come the weekend with Seni Dieng coming back from injury. Riley McGree and Marcus Force also will be okay after that scare coming into the squad. Come on, Borough, with the selections. Middlesbrough also looks set to scale the free agent market in the coming weeks with head of football Kieran Scott revealing the club will definitely consider free agent signings. We expect strikers to be the main priority and expect the club to stumble across prolific former championship striker in Lucas Yao. Yao? Yao. Wow. The 30-year-old Sheffield Wednesday and reading man was released by Chinese outfit Shanghai Port last month. And Michael Carrick's Borough side have been sharing the goals this season uh, to match a club record that has stood for over a century. Marcus Force hammering his fifth goal of the campaign against Sunderland on Sunday became the eighth player in the squad to reach that tally for 2023-24. That includes now Force, Coburn, Crooksy, Greenwood, Jones, Latte Lath and Riley McGree, as well as Morgan Rogers, who is obviously now departed for Villa, who are the eight different Borough players who have scored five goals or more this season. And this is the first time that has happened since 1901-1902. Well, Lee, get in. And also, Rav Vandenberg has said he was frustrated not to beat Sunderland, but says he and the Middlesbrough colleagues are confident they can beat anyone between now and the end of the season. Speaking after the draw, the 19-year-old said it's really important now we keep in touch with the playoff places and try to close that gap. Gappity gap. It feels like we can win every game we play, so that makes it even more disappointing when we don't do that. I definitely think we can win every game. That has to be our mentality. Them's your Borough headlines. I'm's your rise. Good morning. Magpies are proud. Mag News. Newcastle United under-21s rounded off the Premier League Cup group stage games on Monday with a first win in six attempts, but fell short on the margin of success that they required to have any chance of progression to the last 16 of the competition. Facing Forest, already assured of top spot and place in the knockout stages at the North Street home of Alfred and Town, Newcastle trailed at the interval to Manny Nock at close-range strike. Defender Alex Murphy, who had rattled the, uh, the woodwork early in the tie, levelled five minutes into the second half when he headed home Amadou Diola's right wing cross and then United were awarded a penalty that Diallo successfully dispatched beyond Aaron Bott to make it 2-1, which is how the score remained. Last night saw Fleetwood take on Huddersfield in the final group match and a 4-2 win for the Cod Army confirmed their qualification and left us third. Newcastle United representatives will be part of a Premier League meeting to discuss the scrapping of the current top flight profit and sustainability rules today. Shareholders from all 20 top flight clubs are meeting to discuss proposals with the league chiefs after one of the quietest transfer windows on record as proposals are put forward on how to change current restrictions around spending. The new plans would see PSR scrapped in its current form and replaced by a new model which resembles UEFA's current squad cost rotation, which currently limits clubs spending on wages, transfers and agents fees to 70% of their revenue. 
And Newcastle's FA Cup fifth round tie against Blackburn's been confirmed at the 7.45 kickoff on Tuesday the 27th of February, live on BBC One. Tickets went on sale to season ticket holders yesterday with 30 points, reduced to 20 at 4 o'clock, and the next points reduction is scheduled to take place today at 10 o'clock. Prices are £20 adults, £10 for seniors, and £5 for under-18s. Away fans will occupy the upper and lower tiers of the Darwin end with an allocation of around 7,200. Don't forget there's no provision for replays in the fifth round and a result must be achieved on the night during 30 minutes of extra time and failing that, penalties. That's your Newcastle headlines on Wednesday morning. Welcome back to the Northeast Brecky Show. You're joined here by Rye, Steve, and Ted, and obviously Dave Hello. pushing everyone's buttons. Uh, good morning, everybody. Hope you're all fantastic, safe, and well. We're going to go for the first topic that's not on the list because that's what we do here on the Northeast Brecky Show. I want to talk about those Hull City losses because that came in yesterday after I had done the headlines, uh, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shocker uh, for those that are in the championship. Uh, it, we're starting to see more and more of this. Now, Hull City resi- uh, revealed yesterday they've seen loss- losses more than double despite the rise in their revenue. Hull City have made uh, reports now that they had a 20 mil loss despite seeing increased turnover and a significant profit on the sale of players. Accounts for Hull City Tigers have been published showing the club's turnover rise from 15.2 million a year earlier to 18.1, but now are operating at losses almost tripled the standard 20.6, meaning the club's wage bill is being more is uh, paying more than its entire turnover. Ted, we'll start with you, Championship. Uh, Hull City operating at a loss now. Obviously, we've seen big name signings. We've seen, I mean, we saw Ryan Giles from, uh, you know, Exborough, obviously Luton come down from the Premier League with the option to yeah. buy. I mean, they've been signing players left, right and centre. They've got Billy Sharp as well. I mean... Yeah. You know, we, we sit there, we sit back as championship bros and we look at these other clubs, your Ipswiches and stuff like that, and the money that they can spend, and you wonder where it's coming from. Well, it looks like Hull City now, with it being revealed, uh, uh, are the, you know, the casing in point that, you know, they're operating the loss and just banking so heavily that they get promoted. Yeah, and that's, that's, this is the cost of success, isn't it? It's, um, you know, you, you look at Sunderland and Middlesbrough who aren't a million miles off the, the pack for the playoffs. Um, like I say, like I said in the headlines, that Sunderland are one point behind Hull City. However, looking at that, when you, you're talking about a wage bill that's £24 million a year, um, and they're, they're, bearing in mind this is for last season as well, this is this is before they've spent... Yeah, exactly. On the likes of Billy, Billy Sharp, for all his age, he won't have come cheaply. You know, you're talking no. about a guy who was who was well experienced. Um, so yeah, it's look, it's it's a weird one. And yes, the the Sunderland ownership has come under criticism for not spending money. You know, you, you look at the likes of the way Ipswich are doing business, and just about every forward that's available, I think they're just trying to take them off the market and stop anybody else getting them. To be honest, it's a bit like what Man United used to be in the Premier League years ago. Um, but it's a dangerous game, and and Hull City really. Looking at that, they would have to get promoted this season. They'd have to cling on to the to the, the vague hope that they're going to get playoff football and get through, get past Wembley and get into the Premier League because that that is unsustainable. You, you yep. can't keep going at, at, at like sort of an operating loss of twenty one million pounds a year in that division because let's face it. The, the TV money, all right, it's it's better than one days for League One considerably, but it's nowhere near the, the Premier League money. So you can't really bank on that. 
it depends how many games get picked up and let's face it Hull just aren't like I wouldn't put me dinner down and go and turn the TV over just to just to watch Hull City plus they're Ted, not box office are they plus Ted financial hey? fair player in the EFL uh, you're only allowed to uh, yeah. to lose an average of 13 million a season so you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's three that. times 13 across that three year period so they've already smashed that yeah yeah they, they are in serious danger um, it's basically I, I find that the, the clubs like this that they're almost they're almost playing poker with with and putting up the football club as the as the stick, it's quite it's quite dangerous. And certainly, if I was a Hull City fan, um, I'd I'd be concerned about that. Obviously, if they get promoted, then then it's all been a worthwhile gamble and a worthwhile risk. But that's exactly what it is. It's a gamble and gamble. a risk. Yeah, and as much as as much as Sunderland fans are frustrated with the likes of Kira Louis Dreyfus, he's building a sustainable club. And um, you know these lads who we've got in the squad right now. All right, one or two of them are going to get sold at, at, at good profit, but keep the core of that team together, and then you're building a team that can go and challenge for for the championship title. Right now, it's not the case, but they're playing the long game, and and maybe there is something to be said for it. Mm. Steve, um, is it a surprise to you to see championship teams spending so much money uh, on trying to get? Uh, promotion obviously it's been a, a something that's worked previously um but whole city obviously they you know they're a long long way from having parachute payments or anything like that they are reporting that their revenue has increased through sponsorship and and ticket sales and stuff like that but in this january window alone i mean they've signed uh carvalho from liverpool they signed uh brian woods billy sharp uh scott twine uh, I mean, Pandora, that was a $2 million. I mean, they've they've committed to signing Ryan Giles, now operating at such a heavy loss uh, where they're just banking on promotion. And if they don't get that, then they're, they're in dire straits. Is it the right model? Not really. Uh, not for me. I mean, they're 16 points off, you know, an automatic place. Um, that seems a lot of money to be spending to, to go into the playoffs. And, you know, we know what the playoffs is. It's a lottery. It has been since its very conception. And I think, um, you know, the, the, look, the, the, the owners clearly have ambition. You can't fault a club for having ambition. I think Sunderland would love the opportunity, um, you know, for, for, for their owners to go out and spend big. You know, we've heard, we've heard Ted many, um, for many weeks now, you know, you know, upset about the fact that, you know, there's just no ambition at, at his club and, you know, lack of, lack of activity in the transfer window has, has got him and, you know, thousands of Sunderland fans frustrated. So, you know, would you like to be in their shoes? I guess you probably would be. However, you know, the long-term game is that if they don't go up, as you've rightly pointed out, then, you know, it, it could lead to, you know, could lead to disaster for the football club. Um, it's, it is a strange one. I mean, look, you know, Hull City. It's a few years since they were in the Premier League. You're quite right. The par- the parachute payments have all but gone now, and you know they're, they're, they're heavily reliant on their income and you know sponsorships, etc. Um, but it, it just seems it seems a strange thing to do for a, for a Championship team to, you know, to to you know to roll the dice if you like. Um, I mean, COVID really played a, a huge part, I would say, in, in in what we will see with with certain clubs over the course of the next few years. I still think there's a few clubs, 
potentially Hull could could have been one of them, but clearly they're not at the moment, which were teetering on the brink of non-existence. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to be honest. I looked, you know, at, at a few articles over the period of COVID, and uh, you know, Sunderland Sunderland fans seem to be predicting doom. You know, the, the you mm-hmm. know forty you know forty five thousand seater stadium, um, you know, wages that they were still having to pay. No no fans allowed in the ground. Like you know, like you know, everybody had the same situation, but, but it was going to hit some clubs worse than others. And of course, Sunderland had gone, you know, down into the the second division. I mean, it, you know, you couldn't get much worse. But Sunderland somehow have managed to survive. I, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's why they're probably run as they are because they're probably having to recoup a lot of debt, and you know, and and they're probably paying out more than they're, they're bringing in, which sounds bizarre when you've got the support and the fan base that you've got. But if that's the mm. case with Sunderland, you've got to question what's the, how on earth are Hull managing to do this, you know? Um, yeah. Because their crowds are half what Sunderland get, half what Borough get. And you think, well, uh, you know, they're, 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 probably, they're probably on the edge. They're, they're probably living on the edge. But look, if they get promoted, if they are that team that, you know, manages to sustain that you know the place in the in the top six and and get into the playoffs and then you know win that 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 hundred million pound game as we've heard it called, then you know the gamble will have been worth it. And I guess in life sometimes you've got to gamble, but you're gambling with you're gambling with a football club which you're really just yeah you know essentially you're just the the, the current owner. You you know it's the fans who own the club. Um, and and I know owners might scratch their head when people say that, but you know it's our club. It's not your club. You're just a custodian of our club, and that's the way that the whole city fans will be thinking. I think, and um, you know, I, I, I haven't seen many complaints from Hull supporters at the moment. They're quite, you know, they're quite happy, I guess, with with money being spent. Um, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and we'll see what happens uh, towards the end of the season. But it's a it's a gamble, and I guess you're you're in between a rock and a hard place. Oh yeah. Are you going to be happy with? Are you going to be happy with a club that's got ambition? Are you going to be happy with a club that's got no ambition? Or would you rather just be treading treading water? You know, winning the odd game, losing losing games, but not going anywhere and just staying in the championship. I, you know, it, I guess it depends what your ambition is and what you want as a supporter. Of course, you want you want to be in the top flight, don't you? You want you want to get promoted and you want to be ambitious and you want to win trophies. But it's yeah, it's a strange one um, with Hull. And now that you've brought it up on today's show, I'll certainly be keeping an eye on. On, on their results and what they you know and, and what they achieve because you know it, it could it could it could spell disaster as you say I mean it could spell disaster mm-hmm. next season for them. Dave, you're a businessman. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you, you, would you ever run a business at a loss uh, for the potential of a big gain in the future? I mean, that's what Hull are doing, and their club's wage bill now being higher, way higher uh, than its entire turnover. It's a, it's a scary way to do it. I mean, if they do get promoted, but is it is it the only way to get out of the championship? Oh, wow. Uh, every decision you make in business has risk and benefit attached to it. So you've got to weigh it up. And, you know, yeah, I've looked at things where I've had to, I've had to put out a lot of financial outlay before I know the return would come. But you've got to weigh up the risks. You've got to weigh up the severity of those risks. You've got to weigh up the, the possibility or probability of things going wrong. Um, this is a massive gamble. To rack up to rack up so much uh, losses, um, and gambling it on the fact that you're going to get into the playoffs, and then you're going to get through the playoffs and make it make it into the Premier League is uh, is huge. It all depends from a business perspective. It all depends how much the Turkish owner's got sitting there in the bank, and how much he's willing to lose. It's almost like walking into a casino this one, and and sticking a chunk of cash on 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 red. 
um, and seeing where the ball was going to land because there's absolutely no guarantees. You know football, lads. You know the championship. You know how many teams are battling for those two two remaining playoff places. And then even if you do get in the playoff places, you've got Ipswich. You've possibly got Leeds or um, Southampton. Sorry, uh, I, I've, I've had a, I've had one of those brain moments, boys. Who's up there? Leicester's top. Uh, who's second? Yeah, Southampton. Yeah, it's Southampton. Yeah, so Leeds. it's going to be a Leeds yeah. or Southampton in second place. So the, yeah, one of those two are going to be there in the playoffs. That that that's a mm. huge hurdle to jump. So for me on this one, from a business perspective, I can see what he's doing. He's gambling the cash to get into the Premier League. But I'm not sure this is the right season to do it because you've got so much that can go wrong and, and can leave you sitting in the championship with, with a massive loss. That's going to count against financial fair play. Um, yeah. and, and, could and all of a come sudden back. you're doing a Wigan, aren't you? Yeah, could come back and bite you on the backside. Well, it's interesting one. I think it's definitely one that we're now going to take an eye on. We were talking earlier uh, in the uh, radio uh, birth of this show about West Brom and the, and the financial issues they won't have. They didn't really sign too many people in January, but we were expecting a fire sale, which didn't happen. They're currently sitting in fifth, operating at losses as well, and now whole city revealing they are too. But, but, but West Brom are loaning out there. West Brom are taking loans are, left, right, and centre, so their interest are. will count against them for operational expenditure. Yeah. So they're playing yeah. a they're playing a bit of a dodgy game, but I think they're in a far different position. They're in a position where they're waiting for a takeover. And these loans are supposed mm. to be short-term uh, loans to to sort out, you know, the future to sustain the club until until the takeover comes. But we're not hearing I think West anything. Brom. We're not. Yeah, we're West not hearing West Brom. Yeah, we're not hearing. Yeah, anything. West Brom. Are, they're almost taking stuff down to cash converters. West Brom. It's it's, mm, it's like yeah. payday loan stuff. You know, it's, yeah, it's they are. We're not the hearing anything get any closer for the takeover, no. are we? No, no, no they're, they're nowhere near it. So they must yeah, be. They're, 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 they must be teetering. Got to be. Yeah. But it's funny that it's funny that the two teams that we're even questioning both here are West Brom and Hull City. West Brom in fifth, Hull City in sixth. So money does buy some success, doesn't it? I mean, the evidence is right there that you know they've, they're both teams that are, are spending beyond their not guaranteed their income, of course. Not, it's guaranteed, not guaranteed. I agree. But, but if you don't, they know when you won't. It's it's one of those exactly. But then you I mean Ipswich uh, Town in fourth on fifty nine points. Then West Brom down you know a good eleven points beneath that in fifth. On 48. So it's one we watch interestingly. Obviously, Middlesbrough Sunderland is still in the mix as well. But uh, yeah, to be overspending at a football club is uh, very scary business. Just before your sports headlines, I want to talk quickly about Blackburn Rovers while we're on the championship as well. Blackburn Rovers have uh, once again, lads, absolutely <laughs> uh, made a bit of a mockery of themselves. They have coming into a second transfer window where they haven't been able to sign a str- uh, player even after they announced them. The player was in uh, Blackburn holding the shirt up saying, welcome in. And then it turns out that they didn't get it across the line. They had the same issue last uh, transfer window where uh, they had a player signed on deadline day, but apparently there was a clerical error, some uh, misprinting, some mistyping of names. That player was sent back even after being announced a Blackburn player, Blackburn Rovers player. It's happened again, lads, deadline day. Uh, and the reason Blackburn's deal for Duncan Maguire, the American striker that didn't go through uh, before that 12 p.m. deadline, was because they thought they clicked submit paperwork, but they only clicked save. Steve? They've, uh, they've clicked the wrong button and they announced the striker and then the EFL come back and said, uh, you haven't submitted the paperwork, that striker's not actually yours. I've heard some excuses in my time, but that's an absolute belt of that, like, 
Um, <laughs> anyone who believes that uh, believes the moon's made of cheese. Um, I, clearly, they're not. You know, they're, they're not being serious with this. Uh, they, they, you know, and if they are, the person who's done that needs to be fired immediately. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's absolutely crazy to suggest that. But I'm in a I'm in a, a good mood with Blackburn this week because an FA Cup game against Newcastle United, they could have taken the mick lads, and they didn't. Twenty pound a ticket. Uh, Seven thousand two hundred Newcastle fans going to be travelling down there on a Tuesday night. So you know they're going to make a few quid off us, uh, but they haven't took the the proverbial. And, and that's a nice that's a nice thing in football they could have charged 30, 40, 50 quid they could have done whatever they wanted and they didn't so credit the Blackburn for that as for the player situation yeah I mean I, you've just got to feel sorry for the fans you know Blackburn won yeah. the Premier League for God's sake lads you know look at where they yeah, were yeah. Uh, back, in the, back in the 90s uh, they sold us Alan Shearer which is probably the beginning of their downfall um, but, but ultimately you know got a lot of time for Blackburn it's a good away game to go to uh, always a good trip uh, feel a bit sorry for them on that well, it's time for your sports headlines. When we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about that isn't on the list and a lot more to try and get to which is on the list. But it's now time for your sports headlines. We'll be right back after this. Together across the Northeast. The Timbercat and the Red. Welcome back to the Northeast Brecky Show. We are talking all things football and a little bit of things around football as well. Neil Warnock having his first came in charge of Aberdeen yesterday as well, and he's already making headlines for his news uh, com- press conference post-game. Uh, he said, when the ball boy's wasting time in the last 10 minutes, you know you're doing well. Good to have you back, Warnock, I tell you. It's always funny and a laugh watching you. Uh, <laughs> let's move right on. We've got a lot to talk about. Before, we, because ha- we have got a Steve Wraith that has to leave a bit early again today. So I want you guys to have a bit of a think about it. Because before we get to the news headlines at 8 a.m., I want to hear from you. Three dinner guests, past or present, could be absolutely anyone in this world who you would want to have dinner with, including you, Dave, as well. Uh, and if any of you say me, then I tell you I'm what, you're a big you know, not a bad shout, <laughs> not a bad shout. Uh, but I want to hear, I want to hear from you lads, uh, three dinner guests that you'd love to have dinner with, both past and present. Could be anyone in this world, uh, and we'll get that before the eight a.m. Already uh, have, mate. Headlines. Already have. Already. Don't well, go on, Dave. Yeah. I want to go on. Go on, Dave. Uh, I want to. Uh, let's start with you then. Nah, if you're ready to go, nah, three. Not ready to go. Three people. I was joking, oh. man. I was pulling you. Oh your well. Leg. Good on you. How Sorry. dare you? How dare I'm you? ready, Ryan. I good did my you. homework. Did you? All right. Give I us did. yours then, Teddy boy. Well, first of all, there's a caveat here because I know t- probably two of my sisters are listening. Um, that yes. I was going to put me dad in this, right? Now, yes. my dad passed away about 12 years ago. I've taken my dad out of this purely because my dad was the king of the unpolitically correct jokes, and I think he would have added a lot of tension to this dinner party. So <laughs> I'd, I'd have dinner on my own with my dad, um, you know, another time. But, uh, the three I'd pick: uh, Dave Grohl, my musical hero, lead singer of the Foo Fighters, ex-Nirvana drummer, um, mm. probably rocks rock and roll's nicest man. I would say in, in every interview, I just think the guys. Uh, an incredible talent to, to have a you know two careers essentially with, with two of the greatest rock bands that this ever ever lived yeah Dave Grohl's absolutely up there uh, next up would be Stan Lee uh, which is a creator oh, of Marvel oh, County Durham yes yes no yeah. not, not County Durham I'm talking about the real Stan Lee I'm talking about Excelsior Stan Lee <laughs> Creator of Marvel Comics, which um, I don't know whether you know this, but um, the the whole comic book and superhero thing is a massive, massive passion of mine. I am absolutely comic book daft. Um, so Stanley again was one of those like sort of uh, just really cool, um, one of those cool figures that, that that just 
gave so much to that that, that particular genre, uh, introduced us the likes of Spider-Man, Iron Man, all that lot. So yeah, Stan Lee would have to be in there. Then my final guest, and why wouldn't you have this guy, Robin Williams? Um, oh, I don't think there's shout. I don't think there's a comedy genius that, that that's anywhere near the level of Robin Williams. He just he broke every single barrier. Uh, absolute legend. Fantastic serious actor as well. You know, um, Deadport Society, Goodwill Hunting, just to mention a couple of them. Uh, yeah, absolute legend, kind soul, gone far. And that was the, I would say that's the celebrity passing that hit me the hardest. That was Robin Williams. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just thought I agree. the guy was an immense talent. Immense talent. Yeah, no, so I completely three. agree. There you go. That's a great little dinner party. I Thank wonder you, what sir. you'd have. Maybe some, maybe some turkey, chicken, I'd maybe cook. roast. roast no, I'd, I'd cook. No, would you? Um, would yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Did you see my ramen okay. at the weekend? I, I yeah, did actually. Yeah, I did see that. I was, I was very impressed. Thank yeah, I was very impressed. Let's get back to football and I'll get the other two lads dinner dates uh, very, very soon. Uh, we're going to talk quickly about Kieran Scott. Kieran Scott, the uh, director of football at Middlesbrough Football Club, was on the 12th Man podcast here right on the red. Uh, obviously, we're live on the red cat in the tomb, but on the red uh, for the 12th Man podcast, Kieran Scott, director of football, joined the lads on Monday evening and it was very insightful, I thought. It was great to see a club football director, especially so soon after January, come in uh, and talk openly. He was asked uh, questions by the lads left, right and centre. They weren't uh, questions that were, uh, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, they didn't hold back, let's just say that. And that they hit the point uh, um, that everyone was thinking as a Borough fan, why didn't we get a striker? Why, why did we sell Morgan Rogers? All these sorts of questions. And Kieran really answered them uh, emphatically. I thought it was really well done. And, and Big, big shout out to the lads on 12th Man. It was a fantastic thing. Um, one of the raise, points that he raised, obviously, was Morgan Rogers. Uh, and I'll start with you, Dave. Morgan Rogers, obviously, leaving for Aston Villa. He was saying that it shocked him uh, how aggressive Aston Villa moved for uh, Morgan Rogers. And it was only after the game that we had played them in the FA Cup uh, that they went after Morgan Rogers. Now, they said that the first bid came in. They didn't think it was anywhere near for, or a play, what Morgan would be worth, obviously only signing in the summer. Uh, they rebuted it and then uh, they came back literally a day or two later and uh, unfortunately as well, they Kieran was revealing that even though he's under 21, uh, only 21 years of age, Morgan was an exemplary through the whole matter. He was professional, but his head was turned. Did it shock you to hear those, those comments about Aston Villa and the way they went after Morgan Rogers only after that FA Cup appearance? I was shocked the way Aston Villa went after Rogers full stop. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've discussed on this show many times that, you know, we thought he was a talent and he was starting to develop at Middlesbrough, but we got him for a million, well, one and a quarter million quid, uh, six months ago, effectively, seven months ago. And to see Villa come in, and yeah, they, they tried to lower ball at first, I'm sure, um, but yeah. then come back a second time when Burrow went, nah, you know, uh, come back when you're serious. Um, I was surprised that the second time they came back, I thought it was just a cheeky, a cheeky stab in the dark, see if they could land him on a on a on a cheap deal. Um, but yeah, when that message came home that you're gonna have to, you're really gonna have to dig deep, Villa, if you want him uh, to take him. You know, to see them come back a third time um, and, yeah. and do the sort of deal that you know is reported to have been done is a massive surprise, is a massive surprise. And and I was wondering whether Kieran Scott at some point was going, scratching the head going, have we missed something on this kid? Yeah, you know, what are yeah. they seeing to to be as dogged as they are to get him that that we haven't seen? But so I'm sure there were people doing a little bit of bit of reflection in the club, looking at Rodgers and going, 
have we missed anything here? But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, look, for me, I still say it's a great bit of business. I know there's lots out there. Borough fans will be throwing their radios at the wall right now going, but we mm. haven't got a striker. Um, <laughs> I don't think Rodgers would have attracted the level of investment yeah. that he's attracted now come the end of the season. Yeah, no, I concur with that. Were you impressed with how Kieran uh, Scott answered and spoke on the 12th Man podcast? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's safe territory um, for Kieran. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, yep. the lads were never going to really put him under. They were never going to do a, a Piers Morgan on him um, yeah. or a BBC hard talk, were they? Um, but, you know, <laughs> he was open, he was honest, he was friendly. He answered the questions. He didn't try and avoid... Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was it was a useful exercise that's gone down really well with the fans. I've noticed a lot of fans now saying, yeah, wow, it it's uh, it's great to see that the club are opening up and wanting to communicate to the fans again. Um, and I'm led to believe it's not going to be the last. Ooh, lovely, lovely to hear. No, great to be hearing uh, from Middlesbrough. I thought I thought it was fantastic. Teddy boy, uh, mm-hmm. Kieran Scott is our head of football. He came on the yes. Monday after the January window had closed. Obviously, we've seen, uh, obviously through you and obviously now doing the breakfast show, everything that happens Sunderland's way. Uh, you did have that meeting just recently where you were hoping to get some minutes or some notes from that, which weren't really revealed, or they, if albeit quite slow. No, 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 the, the were, think, the were, they did come out, yeah. They were, there you go. So are, are you, would you, how do I word it? So my question would be, do you wish that you would see more people from Sunderland, i.e. head of football or recruitment or whatever it is, come on someone's podcast and, and have a chat all things Sunderland? Would you would you welcome that? Um, I would, yeah. Um, you know, after the window closed, I mean, we were kind of preempted. Christian Speakman gave an interview to, to the Sunderland website, um, you know, saying that, we were going to show faith in the young strikers that we've got, um, which he then sent one of them out on loan, uh, <laughs> which bizarre way of showing faith, but there you go. Um, but he almost prepared us for the fact that we weren't going to um, sign anyone in terms of a, a recognised, experienced striker. And, you know, he gave his assessment again to the club website um, after the window closed. Now, yes, we've got these these fan groups, which are pretty much a closed shop. It takes seven days after a fan group meeting for the minutes to to get out. Um, rather than it be, you know, I, I guess broadcast online live and just mute the masses, which I, I don't think there would be anything wrong with that. Um, so, you know, the, the general public couldn't take part in it, but at least see what's going on, hear what the fan groups have got to say and hear what the owners and the likes of Christian Speakman have got to say as well. Um I wish they would do more independent stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've got to be careful with this one because there's, there's there's two kinds of fanzines out there, and Steve will probably back me up on this one because Steve's well experienced yeah. in this, very experienced in this. In fact, there's two different kinds of fanzines. There's there's a group of fanzines that are mad about the club, that are the independent yep. uh, fans' view of the club, and I'm talking about the likes yep. of A Love Supreme, which I know Steve knows very, very well. They're, they're a cracking outfit. Um, been yeah. going many, many years. They've won fanzine of the year many, many times as well. Great outfit, and, and that's that's the kind of thing I want to see. Ellis Short was good at this. Ellis Short used to pop in the A Love Supreme shop and actually go and have a bit of crack and have a bit of cup of tea, and have a cup of tea with them and generally speak to them. And I love that because, you know, it, it was all done... 
um, with, with no ulterior motive. It, it was an open and honest kind of like, uh, we're at one with the fans. There's the yep. other side of fanzines, though, that, that basically want to be in on this, uh, you know, fan representation on the board and that kind of thing. And there's, there's sort of a, there's a seemingly ulterior motive on them wanting to get into the club. Uh, so you've got to be careful with that. And yes, I think that's maybe why it puts you know, members of the Sunderland hierarchy off speaking to independent channels is because of yeah. because of that. Um, because words can be misconstrued. It could be you know it could be just political positioning, I guess, from uh, from from some mm. quarters. Um, yeah, I'm being very careful not to mention the ones I'm thinking of, but everybody knows we know. Um, so yeah, somebody like Love Supreme, I would love to see people from the club speaking to them more. I would love to get people on the show here for, if the club ever want to reach out and come on here. I'm not just talking ex-players, you know. Uh, we, we want to be that 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 voice on here for the club to to put across their message to the fans through independent channels. I and, think just to nail know, to nail that absolutely on the mast. Any of the three clubs, if you know, if they want to use yeah, any of the three radio stations totally. or this show across the northeast as. Um, as uh, I don't know what's what's as not a voice as a as a platform to to communicate to fans, we'd welcome with open arms. Yeah. Absolutely, we would. Clues in the title Riley by the fans just for, for the fans, mate. That's that's what it's all about. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Riley. If you ever want to come on, mate, you know, uh, you know, at least I'll talk to you for three hours if you wanted to. Um, yeah, well, I, I think I, Steve, we might as well uh, mention we might as well mention one that's coming up this week on Friday on Ian Murta's Black, White, and Red All Over. Paul Jews, the communications uh, uh, manager, fantastic at, that at one. Middlesbrough Football Club <laughs> is coming on. So love Juicy, you know, yeah. um, you know. So there's there's another example of how the um, how one of yeah. the clubs is 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 actually gonna, you know, is is gonna come on and and gonna open up in front of the fans. Yeah. I absolutely think it's fantastic. And I think that it needs to be more of, and I think it needs to be done in that. I don't want to call it unprofessional because I feel like these podcasts, these let, you know, the lads that do them, they're quite professional. They've been doing it for a while. They know what they're talking about. But for me, for them, for someone from the club to take time out of their day, to come and talk to someone on a podcast who is a fan at first and foremost, and they've got these questions that everyone is asking, uh, you know, they can present it to them. It's fantastic. And I think it's fantastic insight. Steve, uh, obviously, I uh, haven't really paid attention to Newcastle over the years as much as I have now from the Northeast Brecky Show. Is it something that you've wanted to see more of, or is it something that happens from Newcastle's point of view? Where we, I know you obviously run in UFC matters. Uh, do you, do you ever have anyone from the club, you know, willing to come and chat to you about current affairs or, or anything that's happening at the club, uh, Newcastle-wise? Is it something you'd want to see if it's not happening? Um, to be honest, with the club at the moment, no. Um, you know, yeah, they need to be held accountable for certain things. Um, what you know, which club doesn't need to be held accountable? But it's not really what I would like to see um, happen. Um, because I think if you see a club give favoritism to one particular uh, network, then not go on another network. I think that's where your problems begin because divide and conquer among supporters is beneficial for the football club when they want to push things forward that maybe are unpopular. Um, I've spent my life as a Newcastle fan arguing with Newcastle United and, you know, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've been involved in, whether I've been part of an organisation or whether I've been independently uh, having my say against the club, I think it's always been... Uh, a fair comment that I've put forward. It's always been my own opinion. 
even when I've been involved in a collective, whether it be the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, which I was involved with briefly, or whether it was the um, you know Newcastle United's independent supporters organisations, um, you know, then f for me personally, it, it it it's always been my opinion that has taken me into that particular area to to discuss things. Um, we're in a better place than we were under Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley was, you know, was a vexation of the spirit for, for us as fans. And we had 14 years of, you know, the club not making any progress. We had no hope when we we're going to the games. We knew that we were, going to, we we're going to tread water. And, you know, if we got into the Premier League, we were facing a relegation battle. There was no ambition. Um, and of course, that upset supporters, but there was nothing we could do uh, other than vote with our feet, which Newcastle fans don't tend to do, uh, but eventually, you know, the, you know, it got to the end of everyone's tether, and people did vote with their feet. Ten thousand fans, you know, wouldn't renew their season ticket, and the rest is history. You know, the takeover went through. Um, Newcastle have worked hard on the communication since, you know, since Amanda, me, dad, Jamie, and PIF came into the club, and they should be applauded for that, and rightly so. Um, there has been a, I would say, an obvious. Um, I would say uh, not a complete withdrawal from duty but there's been an obvious change since the appointment of Darren Eels and Peter Silverstone in particular in their perspective positions that you know they they now are the, the voice um, Eddie Howe at his press conferences gets asked now about things which perhaps he you know he, well he certainly says he has no knowledge of but you know maybe shouldn't be getting asked questions of because there is seems to be a, a slight a slight lack of engagement from those who were at the forefront during the, the the early period of the takeover going through. So, I I would say that podcasts like the Twelfth Man, which which you're clearly happy with, and you know it's good for you to get communication. Um, yeah, it's beneficial, but I think if you're gonna pigeonhole yourself into one particular area and you're going to go and we are going to go and do a, a podcast for Borough fans with Borough fans then you need to do it across the spectrum and across the board because there is always going to be somebody who has their nose pushed out of joint you either do them all or you don't do them at all um, communication really should just come through the official club channels if that's if that's the case so uh, you know it's around the houses answer but you know there's so much to discuss with with things like this and and ted's right you know um sunderland have factions sunderland have you know groups which don't communicate don't get on some of that's down to narcissism some of it's down to egos um, mm -hmm. and that's the same at newcastle it's the same at liverpool i was i was speaking to a liverpool fan uh, yesterday um a good friend of mine who um you know has had this for years the spirit of shankley and the liverpool supporters trust there are people on those two perspective groups who can't stand each other and when there's a contentious issue who develops at the football club they they're complete loggerheads and it's not good it's not it's not good um you know we we as supporters um are all you're supporting the same club. We should all be united, but that's just doesn't it doesn't work like that. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that in life. That's uh, that's that's the way it is. Take football away and go into politics or go into religion. It's exactly the same uh, because we're humans and we're, we're never going to agree uh, on on every single point. And because the because football brings out the passion in us, um, that's that's why things you know never really never really go according to plan. And and I think it's always the same things. It's always the same issues the fans fans have problems with. It's always ticketing. 
Um, you know, if, if you get to a cup final or if you get to, you know, you you know, you, you, there's a big game and you need tickets, it's always down to ticketing. Um, you know, price price rises for tickets as well, that kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, I think we're we're going through a really important period at Newcastle, and and it's going to be interesting to see how things develop. Um, you know, there was there was another huge you know fallout online yesterday over a, a certain organisation organising a bus to Blackburn and people going in the ins and outs of how much they were making off putting the bus on because of the extreme price of a bus to Blackburn. That's where we're at as a fan base, and, and I think that only benefits the club because the club always know you know, and the club monitor these social media pages. They they, they certainly do. Newcastle, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, they, they monitor them, and if they want to get something. Um, through or something across I guess the best thing for them to do is put it across in a certain way which is going to appease one set of supporters and and it's it, it's easy for them it's like throwing a load of birdseed in one direction and watching the pigeons go over there and, and then you know sticking you know sticking some nicer food out for the, the blue tits over here you know the pigeons all go in a flock and you know it, it, we had analogy I guess but it's 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 just what they do. It's it's the way football clubs divide and conquer, and it's um it's not it's not it's not just the northeast thing. It's this is football clubs worldwide. But yeah, I think I think interviews are great. But if you're going to do it, make sure you do it for everybody. Mm, interesting there, a different sort of look at things. Um, and I guess yeah, for me as I said, I think it was I thought it was fantastic. It was great insight. Um, but you know, it's a great insight to, as well from you, Steve. There to, to talk about. Obviously, there are. You know, more than just one podcast, more than one, um, you know, more than more than one, uh, you know, set of fans that, that, that want to hear from the club. So it's interesting. All right, lads, we are getting it close to the news headlines. So before we do, I want to hear from you, Davey boy. Have you got your three dinner dates? Have you got the three people you would choose, either past or present, that you would want to sit down and have dinner with if you could right now? Do you know what? I... Uh, can I bring myself to admit that Ted has turned my head? Oh, okay, okay. Was it through his cooking or no? No, he hasn't turned. No, me. I didn't think He's so. Turned my head. No, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have. I am three. a rather attractive man. It has to be well, said. Well, I mean, go. well, you know. And congratulations you know. on your mm. weight loss. Uh, Thank we you. Have, do you know we haven't mentioned Fat Club for weeks? No, we, we haven't actually. We haven't. We no, need we to do haven't. something on Fat Club. Yeah. Um, we do. Robin Williams was absolutely brilliant as a suggestion. He was. Because I hadn't yeah, even I thought of him. And Ted, I, I I doffed my cap in your general direction, oh, wow. even, though, <laughs> even though you're oh, a Mackham. He's not even wearing a hat. Because that immediately <laughs> made me scrub one line through one name and add Robin Williams. Oh. So, oh. absolutely, absolutely. The other one would be Nelson Mandela. Who, who got scrubbed? Who got scrubbed? Can't tell you. Quickly. Uh, I might hear from the okay. lawyers very quickly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got Robin with him. Sorry, Nelson Mandela. Okay, Nelson Mandela, because cool. I would love to be able to sit down and just talk, uh, you know, over a pint with uh, with Nelson Mandela and just <laughs> ask him about mm. forgiveness and how the hell he could do what he did when he came out of uh, Robin Allen prison, um, mm. because that was that was that was amazing to see a human being forgive so much that had happened to him but there you go so Nelson there's Mandela there's a link to one of our presenters there as well isn't there because what did Nelson Mandela read every night or recite to himself every night while he was in prison Steve Wraith's autobiography no it wasn't <laughs> it was the poem Invictus 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is where Certainly the Invictus Games run from, and which is also where a certain uh, yeah. Antipodean presenter gets yeah. his, his, uh, his handle his, from. His YouTube handle, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the, the third one, I'm pleased to say, I actually have met this guy and spoken to this guy, uh, but I've never had the um, I've never had the opportunity to sit down at a dinner table and spend quality time with him, and that's Richard Branson. Oh wow! Oh wow! Mm. Yeah, yeah. What a dinner that would be, Nelson Mandela. Robin Williams and Richard Branson for Dave's dinner date. What would you cook, Dave? What would be on the menu? Just pints? Oh, no, mate. I'd, I'd do a Belgian special. I'd have uh, mules and fruits. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Steve, would you would you be ready to reveal your dinner guest? Do you need a little I bit more time? Oh, no, no, all right. All right, Steve. Who would be okay, so your three? Rob Lee, Nobby Solano and Alan Shearer. Go on, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I have put a bit of time effort into this. Uh, so, oh. on the door, so on the door... Because obviously you need a doorman. Yeah, all right. He's <laughs> added. Be, he's added be, to it. Would be Lou Ferrigno, who played the Hulk. Oh yes. Oh, okay. So yeah. Say he'd be on the door. Say he'd be on the door, welcoming guests. Don't make okay. me angry. Yep. Um, as, a little, <laughs> as a little starter, as we like, you know, as, as people are chatting and you know, people coming through the door, I'd have Paula Yates handing out the Ferro Rocher. Oh, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Yep. Paula Yates was class. Because she'd be good conversationalist as well. Okay, yep. um, in the corner, uh, playing playing his guitar and doing a little bit of music, I'd have John Lennon. Oh yes, jeez. All right. What a dinner this kitchen, is turning out to be. Cooking the meal, I'd have Keith yes. Floyd. Oh, hundred percent. Because I'd be nipping yeah. in the kitchen having yeah. a glass of red. With well, him. I was about to say I'd be in there <laughs> helping him <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a glass in hand. Call to, di- call to dinner. Call to dinner would be uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, I thought you were going to go Jeez. Brian Blessed, but I like where you've gone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now you've mentioned Churchill, he was the man I, crossed, I put a line through. Oh, All right, okay, brilliant. Oh, and my three guests, my three guests, obviously it's, you know, the thespian, the actor in us. I, yeah. I, I want to spend time with people who can talk what I enjoy talking. So Paul Darrow, yeah. of course, would be my first guest. Yep. Uh, sadly, no longer with us, but uh, as, as a couple of people are, but... Paul Darrow, who played Avon and Blake Seven, would be uh, yes. would be top of the table with me, um, chatting about chatting about Blake Seven, of course. Um, Masaki Sakai uh, would be also at the table. Uh, he okay. played he played Monkey in Monkey Magic. Yep. Oh wow! Yes, so I'd love to meet that. him. I'd love to meet him. I really would. That, yep. I, that's a, that's definitely one on my wish list. And obviously, we need a director. Uh, so the late great Alfred Hitchcock would be there as well. Oh wow! Oh, Jeez, what a honestly, what I'm a happy soiree. to be a sous chef for that night. <laughs> obviously, we need taxis to get home. Um, so Robert De Niro will be outside. <laughs> he will be my taxi driver. That, that's not a reliable driver, mate. <laughs> You're talking to me. I, I, don't, I don't see anybody else around. Movie. <laughs> what Love a soiree! Hey, that's a belt for that. Hey, with all those people and still Ted, no, uh, no Ryle Ted on the list there. No Dave either. We couldn't even get into the backyard of that one, I tell you. But uh, well done, well we done, lads. That service, was very, very we interesting. We wouldn't be even servers yeah. at the table. We'd just we could be, be the waiters. Yeah. We'd be crockery collectors when everybody's left the room. <laughs> We'd be the little We'd orphans the... appearing at the window. <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some more? Oh, exactly. it'd be fa- what a fantastic. Well done. I'm glad you guys lads put into that. Uh, I'll, I'll rattle mine off quickly just before the news headlines. We'll uh, 
Mine's been mine's very tough. I uh, I, I often go to my pop uh, and my grandfather, uh, both obviously not with me any longer. They were both very very uh, pivotal men in my uh, childhood, and, and you know being able to sit down and have dinner with them, of course. Um, mates that I lost in Afghanistan, of course. You know I would love yeah. to have um, you know dinner once again with them, but I, I tried to go for more of a more of a light hearted look at it, I guess, for this one. So uh, for me, it's. Uh, it's it's captains it's captains lads it's it's Taylor Walker Taylor Walker is the captain of the Adelaide Football Club here in Australia my one of my favorite AFL teams it's Johnny Housen right now the captain of Middlesbrough Football Club I would think he's a 35 year old magician the way he speaks is just fantastic so I'd love to sit down uh, and, and have uh, yeah have have a meal with him and talk everything Middlesbrough and then this one this third one's a tough one this third one's a tough one because. It's do I go Dallas Cowboys, obviously my third and you know my third love in sporting, or do I go another borough? Because borough's home for me. Do you know what I mean? But if I, I probably would have to go, uh, if I'm going to do all three, uh, I'd have to go Dallas Cowboys, and I'd probably get Mackay Parsons, my uh, my absolute favourite uh, player at the Dallas Cowboys. So there's my, there's my three lads. It's all sporting legends in my my uh, in my eyes. Uh, I Johnny House. And now I know the cricketer there. I, I, I know. I, tell you who I, I know. thought might have been in there. I thought you yeah. would have gone for Skull. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Jeez. Now, see, now, now, <laughs> maybe he could be the doorman. What are yes. you, right now I'm going to sit down. <laughs> for those who haven't seen him, go and search for this He's guy because you don't have to be a cricket fan He's to find fantastic. this guy utterly Isn't hilarious. It? He, him and uh, yeah, Michael Vaughan and him uh, uh, host the cricket here in Australia and it's fantastic. Anyway, it's time for your news headlines. If you have any dinner dates, get in touch on the WhatsApp. Uh, we'll be back right after can your I, news headlines. Can I throw one more in just before I press the button? Of course, you, yeah, go you, on. A couple of years have ventured into, no, I mean, uh, ha- into family. Steve got me thinking. You ventured into family and touched on it. I would like to sit down with my great-great-uncle who was called Daniel McAllister because he Ooh. lost a sixpenny bet whilst he was drunk. Uh, and the forfeit was to climb on the Tees Transporter Bridge and dive off. He became the first person to die from falling from the Transporter Bridge. And I'd love to sit him down afterwards at the bar after the meal with those three great people and just say, Uncle Daniel, why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Wow. There you go. (laughs) All right, then we'll be back after this. Well, that's a strange news thing, isn't it? Get off. Oh. What happened there? Yeah, okay. My computer's got all funky. My computer's got all funky. All right, we'll try that again then. <laughs> From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red- Yeah, I like that. Whoa. I like that. What a song and a half. Good, good hey. track, that. Like. Semi-Sonic Secret yes. Smile. No doubt Ted's going to go, oh, it's horrible. No, oh. no, no. I, I bought the album. I remember being a student, actually living um, just off You remember being Road a student. Good luck. Yes, I do. And well, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting year. I didn't last long. Um, yeah, <laughs> I remember that album. It was a really good album. And do you know what that song's actually about? I'm not going to tell you because it's a family show. Oh, really? Okay. Oh. Yes. We can't talk about it. It has a rude connotation. Let's go on to that WhatsApp group very quickly. You know, that one we don't talk about. (laughs) Because I need to know. Oh, come on. (laughs) And send pictures of the secret smile. Uh, What's up? 
Westside. Just saying good morning to John, who's uh, who's listening, first time listener, so he just likes the show. Welcome along, John. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hi, John. John. Steve, Steve here, Steve. Thank good you for morning. Us. He was driving past the transporter bridge as Dave told the story no, about his uncle diving off. That's creepy. That one. <laughs> that one. The timing of that. Well, I've had I've had regards Mick lads uh, text in. He's uh, oh, brilliant! Wow. Uh, regards, regards Mick has texted in, and he and he said, "Oh, loving the show, mate." Uh, by the way, just one to let the lads know that your great uncle uh, owned the Billsley Pub in Birmingham. So, and he and he signed off regards Mick again. Like I don't That's know what's from regards my dad. Mick. Um, wow. uh, <laughs> I don't know why he chose now to text me about that. Uh, I love it. Or, Cheers, or, Mick. By the well, way, he he's told brilliant. me, but uh, uh, I like he regards we're Mick, Mick on the show. Me, um, we're, I want Mick well, on the show. Yeah, we want we, we want regards, regards Mick on the Mick. show. Yeah, we want regards we Mick. We should on. have a dad day. Yeah, we, we should have a dad day for sure. We can get him on. Sort it out, mate. Sort it out. We'll WhatsApp. Just find one We'll WhatsApp him. Let's do it. Let's do it. Can I? Can I just realise, Ray? If I go and advertise for a daddy, I'm going to get a totally different thing. <laughs> oh, think of, think of the inquiries, the mate. Think of the inquiries you'll get. Um, hey, yeah. Just to just to just to finish that transporter bridge story, uh, because it's 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 well worth it, fellas. It's well worth it. Uh, and, he's putting and, his foot down now to get past it. <laughs> <laughs> the um, this is going to sound a morbid start, but there's a funny line on that. The death certificate from my great great uncle. Uh, cause of death on his death certificate was quite amusing. It reads, and I'm reading it now because uh, uh, for some bizarre reason I found a copy of it on the internet. It says, shock and suffocation from drowning through jumping from the transporter bridge in a spirit of bravado whilst in, under the influence of drink. <laughs> oh. How about that for a cause of death? <laughs> Dear <Wow>. doctor. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there you go. Anyway, there you go. That is an interesting story, and that all stems from the dinner dates. If you haven't caught uh, what we're talking about, then you can always catch it on the podcast. But it is time for your morning club headlines. We've got to go to Newcastle, Sunderland, and Middlesbrough and see what's making headlines for your football club this morning. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Hope you're all fantastic, safe, and well. Borough could have the most available they have ever had this season with Senny Dieng, Riley McGree, and Marcus Force, who is also okay after a scare on the weekend, all available for Michael Carrick's selection this weekend. Get in, Borough. More to come in the next few days as we find out uh, on the exact injury toll Middlesbrough are suffering, but it does look to be easing. Middlesbrough also looked to set to scale the free agent market in the coming weeks with head of football Kieran Scott revealing that the club will definitely consider free agent signings. We expect strikers to be the main priority and expect the club to stumble across potentially prolific former championship striker in Lucas Yao. The 30-year-old Sheffield Wednesday and Reading man was released by Chinese outfit Shanghai Port last month. And Michael Carrick's Borough side have been sharing the goals this season to match a club record that has stood for over a century. Marcus Force hammered in his fifth goal of the campaign against Sunderland on Sunday, becoming the eighth player in the squad to reach that tally for 23-24. He joined Josh Coburn, Matt Crooks, Sam Greenwood, Izzy Jones, Latte Lath and Riley McGree, as well as Morgan Rogers, who obviously has left for Villa. Uh, all the eight different Borough players who have scored five goals or more in this season. This is the first time it's happened since 1901 and 1902 season. Wow, get in. 
And Rav Vandenberg has spoken after the draw, saying he was frustrated not to beat Sunderland, but says he and his Middlesbrough colleagues are confident they can beat anyone between now and the end of the season. Speaking after the draw, he said it was really important to keep touch with that playoff place and try and close that gapity gap. It feels like we can win every game we play, so that makes it even more disappointing when we can't do that. But I definitely think we can win every game. That has to be our mentality. We're up for a massive big push to the end of the season. Go on, Borough. Close that gap. That's your headlines. Magpies and Proud. Mags News. Newcastle United under-21s rounded off their Premier League Cup group stage game on Monday with a first win in six attempts, but they fell short a margin of success that they required to have any chance of progression to the last 16 of the competition. They took on Forest, who were already assured of top spot and their place in the knockout stages at the North Street home of Alfred and Town. And Newcastle trailed at the interval and Manny Norcott's close-range strike. Defender Alex Murphy, who would rattle the uh, woodwork early in the tie, levelled five minutes into the second half when he headed home Amadou Diola's right wing cross. And then United were awarded a penalty kick that Diolo successfully dispatched beyond Aaron Bott to make it 2-1, which was how the score remained. Last night saw Fleetwood take on Huddersfield in the final group match and a 4-2 win for the Cod Army confirmed their qualification and left Newcastle United third. Newcastle United representatives will be part of a Premier League meeting to discuss the scrapping of current top flight profit and sustainability rules today. Shareholders from all top 20 flight clubs are meeting to discuss proposals with league chiefs after one of the quietest transfer windows on record as proposals are put forward on how to change current restrictions and spending. The new plans would see PSR scrapped in its current form and replaced by a new model which resembles UEFA's current squad cost ratio, which currently limits clubs spending on wages, transfers and agent fees to 70% of their revenue. And Newcastle's FA Cup fifth round tie against Blackburn Rovers has been confirmed as a 70-45 kickoff on Tuesday, February the 27th and it's live on BBC One. Tickets went on sale to season ticket holders with 30 points. Uh, and they were reduced to 20 at 4 o'clock yesterday. The next points reduction is scheduled to take place today at 10 o'clock. Price, uh, price of the tickets, £20 adults, £10 seniors and £5 for under-18s. Away fans will occupy the upper and lower tiers of the Darwin end with the allocation of around 7200 And there's no provision for replays in the FA Cup fifth round. And as a result, uh, a result must be achieved on the night during 30 minutes of extra time and failing that penalties. That's your Newcastle headlines on Wednesday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Happy hump day. We're halfway there like Bon Jovi. Adil Aushish is capable of forcing his way into the Sunderland midfield, claims one of the club's coaches. Sunderland under-21s coach John Hewitson has backed Adil Aushish to make a first-team breakthrough after an impressive showing in the Premier League Cup. He's a creative player and I think he's a good character to have within the squad, Hewitson told the Sunderland Echo. His language is really good so he's able to communicate and express what he wants from his teammates around him very well. Aushish will certainly have moved up the pecking order with the midfield looking tired against Middlesbrough and of course the recent sale of Alex Pritchard. Luke 9 has thanked Sunderland fans for looking after him following his difficult start at the club and has vowed to continue to repair them by putting everything into the club. 9 has become a real hero at Sunderland, amassing more than 250 appearances for the Black Cats since joining as a relative unknown from Wickham from 2018. The relationship I've got with the fans is incredible, 9 told SAFC.com. It probably didn't get off to the flying start that I wanted and a few people did let me know that on social media. 
The fans give me time to settle though, and equally they give me one of the best lives in the northeast. They look after me, my family, my kids, and that's what's most important to me. And finally, if there's one topic that's divided Sunderland fans since promotion, it's been the club's spending. Simply put, as far as many fans are concerned, Sunderland are just not spending enough. That's the opinion of well-respected Sunderland journalist Michael Graham, who went on to say, With the release of accounts by Hull City, who are just one point ahead of in the league at this time, although their revenues were up, so were losses and wages. The headline figures certainly show a club having a real go under Turkish owner Atun Ilikali. Wages have skyrocketed 86% to £24 million per year. That's 131% of revenue, which is clearly unsustainable. Little wonder then that Hull posted operating losses of £21 million for last season. Ultimately, we can see why Sunderland owners are using a different tactic. Time will tell who is in the right. They are your Sunderland headlines. Together across the northeast. The Timbercad and the Red. Just a bit of breaking news morning. from Newcastle. Craig Hope uh, on Twitter, uh, obviously Daily Mail reporter, has said that he's been told that Anthony Gordon's injury isn't serious, but he's still unclear Ooh. when he'll be fit. So a, a nice little bit of news for Newcastle fans this morning. Anthony Gordon's mm-hmm. injury uh, not as severe as first thought. Well, that's yeah, that's a that's a blessing. That's for sure. He's been an absolute star this season. Incredible uh, player is Anthony Gordon. Newcastle can't go too many games without him. Good morning. Welcome to the Northeast Brecky Show. You're joined by Rye, Ted, Steve, who will be ducking off very soon, and Dave pushing the buttons in the studio for us, as always. Uh, thank you, lads, for the club headlines. We've got to move on now with the rest of the show. And I want to talk to you, lads, about having a second job whilst playing football. All of us here have second jobs. All right. Radio isn't our full-time gig, uh, unfortunately, uh, as much as we'd want to be on your, your ears for the next eight hours. <laughs> And, you know, we're well organised, you know, well drilled. I'll tell you uh, that, Ted, once I've listened to yesterday's show. <laughs> and this is the last show that we'll ever be on. Uh, the League Two star <laughs> has been commended for having a successful carpentry business whilst playing first-team football. I wanted to ask you, lads, and I'll start with you, Steve, because I know we are on a time restriction. Do you think in the League Two sense, I think League Two is still a decent league to be having a second job whilst playing first-team football, is it something that you commend? I mean, you know, players do need to have a life after football and maybe he's just taking care of himself? Um, yeah, I mean, look, you've got to, you've got to look after yourself because football is such a short career. Um, I mean, I think the, the, the one moment we realise that footballers do have second jobs is, is when, when we hear the FA Cup games and, and you have a lower league team getting through and we hear that, you know, you've got a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker playing against Newcastle United or Manchester United or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the old days... I guess it was it was it was part and parcel of being a, a footballer. I mean, Jackie Milburn and, and 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 his ilk were probably you know working down the mines and then coming out the mines and playing football. I mean that was that was just the way it was. Crazy. You know, football yeah. didn't have the kind of money that it's got in it, um, it got in it now. Um, I, I, you know, I did a little bit of, you know, when 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 you sent the, this over. I mean, you have a lot of footballers who do do other things. Modelling, I guess, is probably a yeah. big thing nowadays for for footballers. Um, you like know, they, yeah, you know, yes, but you know, it's, it, <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't it? You, what are you, you laughing know, at? Are you just because you've got nice headshots? <laughs> yeah, come on. Well, well, we we turn mutters like, is that what you're I saying? Knew, <laughs> I, knew where I, was, I knew where I was going to go with this, that's all. Um, but yeah, I, I, Neil Warnock, do you know what Neil Warnock's um, 
uh, well, Neil Warnock had a job, didn't he? I think I, I'm sure I've read this somewhere. Um, I think he's a trained chiropodist. Is he really? Mm. And I think he ran uh, a fruit and veg stall. So I think Neil Warnock is a wow. is the one that I could find during there my research. That the, he had he had a bit of work, but yeah, look, it's it's one of those things. It's 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 something it's something that you you know you, you don't think about. But football's a short career. You could you could get injured um, in your first or second professional game, and and that's it. You're out. And you know what what you're going to do? Um, you need to find a trade. You need to find you need to find something to do. Not everybody can get a job in football. Not everyone can go on to coach not everyone's not everyone's going to be able to do that so you know you, you might need another job and you know you, you see it you see it time and time again you, you'll come you'll come up against people Philip Albert went into in, in the fruit and veg um, import and export um, when, when he finished football so but that was a business that he already had uh, whilst he was playing football um, Brian Kilclain um, he you know, he, he specialised during his football career and still to this day, buying houses, doing them up and selling them on for a profit and moving on. Um, I'd seen him, you know, travel around the world. So, you know, other other ex-players that I can think of who I keep in touch with, like Liam O'Brien, you know, his 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 life has revolved around football. You know, he's been involved in football from being a kid and, you know, he's gone on to coach and, and you know, he's he's never really been without a job until recently. So, yeah, it does happen that, that, that some people stay in football, but it doesn't happen to everybody. And, some players, especially those who who probably go, you know, probably come from that eighties era before the Premier League and and further back, have all ended up having to get other jobs or, or even second yeah. jobs to to to. to how many it pub out. landlords have you seen, Steve? Who, who are so many. <laughs> so many. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it is it is something which is probably to a lesser extent important now. But back in the back in the eighties and beyond that, yeah, yeah, that you know it was very important. And, and John, a lot of them played John, cricket, didn't they? A lot of them played cricket as well. They played did. football in yeah. the winter they uh, for nine months, yeah. and they'd play cricket in the summer. I remember Alan yeah. Ramage. Uh, I'm going back now as a Borough fan, but Alan Ramage uh, didn't he play for Yorkshire as well? I mean, he, he played at a really decent level and was a centre back for the mm. Borough. Uh, yeah. But John, John, what's up? Uh, a guy from uh, from a little earlier said uh, Stuart Bohm, Borough. I mean, he's a, he's a Borough lad, is John. He said Stuart Bohm had a shop. Neil Warnock was a grocer. So another couple of yep. examples. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, it's and, and it's an interesting one for me, Teddy Boy, because I mean, there are thousands uh, of, of footballers across England uh, buying their trade in the Premier League, Championship, League One, and and it's, and even League Two. And as Steve rightly said, only so many can go into coaching. So many can go into punditry. You need to be obviously, uh, you know, have have the right nous about you. But a lot of them finish football, whether it's their choice or not. They just don't pick up another club. We talk about, you know, the amount of free agents there are. Look at De Gea. I mean, sitting there. Uh, obviously, he would be doing okay, you would think. But, you know, in a few years' time, a lot of them need to be looking for some sort of work. To, you know, they're only in their 30s. There's a lot more life to be lived. Is it something that... We should be looking at, uh, you know, giving footballers a chance to to study or, or you know, have jobs on the side so they, they have got a life after football. Two footballers I can think of straight away. Um, well, one of them has played for both Sunderland and Middlesbrough, uh, Duncan Watmore. Uh, Duncan is a, a very, very intelligent lad. Um, he has a, a business degree and, and obviously looking out for you know a career after football and, and planning for that and I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever um, Simon Mignolet um, who obviously ex-Sunderland moved on uh, to Liverpool after that uh, another one who is he's actually a qualified lawyer Simon Mignolet um, so uh, even on those Premier League wages 
It's um, there's a bit of sort of okay. Well, if if it all goes horribly wrong tomorrow, which unfortunately for a lot of players it can do, um, it can at do, least yeah. there's a plan in place there. Looking at what we, you know, the, the the whole subject matter of this, which was a League Two player. I mean, you're talking anything from kind of around about fifty grand to a hundred grand a year, which is still it's still decent money. You know what I mean? It's it, it's it's not to be sniffed at by any means. It's um, for playing football professionally, that's that's a nice tidy sum to earn at, at that level. Um, however, you know I can understand why this guy's obviously want to set up you know, whether it's a joinery business. I cannot see him turning up absolutely every day. You know, if uh, if Mister Scroggins needs a new garden shed being built and he's got an FA Cup tie, <laughs> he's not going to sack off the FA Cup tie and go and do that. You know, I, I think I think setting up a business. Look, the, probably the best example I can think of. You know. Other than the likes of Beckham, who you know just became their own brand as well as a footballer and yeah. safeguarded their future to no end, someone like Gary yeah. Neville. Gary Neville just bought property and he develops it. He's, Gary Neville's actually a very astute businessman on the quiet. Yeah, um, so, and now and now TV know, presenter. Maria. Yes, Dragons yeah, Den. He's on Dragons he's, he's Den, actually, isn't he? He's quite watchable. I find him quite mm. interesting. I've always liked Gary Neville because somebody once told me I looked a yeah. bit like him uh, when I was younger and I had curtains. But there you go. That's that's a story Come for on. another day. He just complains um, now. The modelling. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, and now he can't afford them at the windows, can he? What? Yeah, bubble. <laughs> lovely, lovely. But yeah, listen up and see why players would want to safeguard their future and set up businesses. I think that's healthy. I think a lot of clubs do promote that anyway. Um, certainly in the youth level where, where a lot of people get released from academies it's shown mm. them you know uh, alternatives to a life in football or, or a life after football and long may it continue fair well, play to them. look we might as well do the reveal now then because we were going to leave this later because it's just particularly for the red across Teesside but you talk about footballers and, and second jobs and a lot of them go into the media as we're seeing you know the sky under tree like us yeah, yeah, yeah like us of course you know we were <laughs> we were we were high end professionals in our we days, were, yes, we Ted, Ted with Billingham Station and Barcelona, me yes. with Bulgall yep. and all that sort of stuff, absolutely. Yep. Um, but Bernie Slaven joins the Red this week, uh, this coming week. So Bernie, Woo! Bernie with Slaven live on a Monday, every Monday. Uh, well, from 6, Burnley, 6 p.m. till 7 p.m., taking the fans' calls, their opinions, their views. So he's, you know, so there's another example of, yeah, Bernie retired quite a while ago. He's still the borough's sixth best uh, goal scorer uh, of all time. Um, but yeah, he's joining He's joining the Red for his own show. So it just shows you how. Absolutely love You that. know, and, and I remember. I remember when I was doing the Sky Beat because uh, I was the Sky Northeast football reporter. I'd go to the three clubs and I was interviewing players, and there were always those players that even if you got stuffed three nil, would want to talk to you. And when you talk to them afterwards, you know they would always say, "Well, I was thinking about my post career, so I wanted to be media friendly. I wanted to learn. I wanted yeah. to be able to handle situations." Um, and there's been a, there's been a couple of players in the northeast. I won't name names, but you know that that I've talked to afterwards and 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 helped them in some little way to move on with their with their media careers. But they were savvy enough during the thick of be- pulling the boots on to think what's going to happen later when I retire. Yeah. So yeah, you get some you get some smart ones. You get some not so smart ones. Mm. Yeah. It is like a, like Wayne Rooney thinking he could be a manager. Isn't it? <laughs> it's at both ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Like, I mean, it was a good point there. I spoke about you know this bloke running his carpentry business, but it is a, it is at the in the young levels as well. The, all the academy players that never regularly really make it. You know what I mean? The players that that are 16, 17 saying I'm going to be a footballer at Newcastle United, 
and then next year find themselves, you know, let go by, by Newcastle and no other club sort of picks them up and all of a sudden they've given away school, they've given away all of their sort of, you know, ambitions that they might have had outside of football to be a footballer and then they're left with nothing. So it is it is a crazy thing to, to, to compromise and, and to, to think about. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's, I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic and I think uh, the clubs need to do more uh, for their players for life after football and probably even before. But before we head to the sports headlines, we do have to say goodbye to our one and only Steve Wraith, who will be leaving us. We do. I will see you tomorrow morning, chaps. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of the show, and I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Take care, The tears are out already, Steve. The tears are out already, mate. We're missing you already. (laughs) (laughs) See you tomorrow, guys. See you, mate. See you tomorrow, Steve. And on that bombshell of Steve leaving us with just the championship bros, uh, the good-looking ones, the models, him, uh, if you will. The ones without headshots. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of yourself as a model for Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> We've got post lives to live. Uh, we'll go to some sports headlines. We'll be right back with the three models right after this. Newcastle Sunderland fans, I do apologise. Hi, it's Bernie Slavin. Looking forward to joining the Red Pinions views. I don't want any BS. This Monday, 6 o'clock to 7, please join us. Up the borough. This <laughs> <laughs> Just what a, a welcoming taunt. Don't even bother coming on morning. <laughs> I almost want to ring in myself. <laughs> As a Mackham. <laughs> oh, I've got a bone to pick with you. Or me. I. Or him. Oh, yeah. yes. Me. Yes. yes. Well, what about yes. John? You, well, Bernie. reminding See, Dave. Bernie's already had, Bernie's, he's already had an impact, hasn't he? Ted's getting aggressive. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back for this one. I heard about this one yesterday. Oh, what have I done? Yeah. Rye was actually disgusted as well. So I was because because I'm um, you know I'm learning the ropes. You know I'm new yeah. to all this. Me yeah. and me, me and me, thirty-seven followers on Twitter. Yeah, um, yeah. and I'm getting there, and I'm I'm, I'm learning. And I you thought, do, you know yeah. what? I'm and you're doing brilliant. I'm going to yeah. listen to the Our three legends. Yeah. Go- yeah. Oh no, no, don't you, don't you give compliments now? I'm trying to work my no, way out no, of it because no. I don't know what's coming, but so, it sounds good. You, you do, don't you? You do. You pretended like you didn't know me. Oh! I pretended like you I didn't know you. You shunned me. You shunned your radio son. I shunned him. You I, yes, you did. Like you didn't even know him. Had yeah. an I messaged. I was listening life. to on Friday oh, the three legends, a show that I, that I really love. I urge everyone to listen to it. Uh, Cracking show. Let's go back. Yeah. What day? What, what was the date on Friday? It was the first. It was one Friday. Out. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we're talking. And I, I sent, uh, I sent a question in for Darren Williams. Actually, uh, uh, I said it was Ted from Cyprus, and you, all you did was say it was, it was Ted from Cyprus. Not it's our own Ted from the breakfast show or anything like that. And like oh. acknowledge that the fact that I bothered even. to contact the show didn't even give didn't that. Even. It was like, uh, just some it. bloke called Ted from Cyprus. All right. Okay. I can't believe you. How dare you treat Disgusting. one of our own Disgusting. our model. Mackham, you know what I mean? I, I mean, egos are growing yeah. massively. <laughs> he wants to be massaged at every possible moment that he's on air. Don't turn he's this around on me. Don't turn this around for Ted. How Super dare Ted. you? Super Mackham from Super Cyprus. That's exactly what I want to hear. That's exactly what I want to hear. I want to hear next time three legends are on. Stop, please, legends, please. 
We've had a WhatsApp. Does and it's from you don't know what you're superstar. talking about. Turn the mic on. Please, Pre- everybody, stop. All right. Press How silence did. for. Press it. silence for. No, look, mate. I'll apologise if you think I've snubbed you. I did. No, I, I, didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. I did. I did. Well, there you go. On that bombshell, I can't believe it. Dave, go away and have a think about it because we've got to talk more football here on the Northeast. East Show. That means there's uh, only two of you, mate. You're working harder for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> Actually, yeah, don't, don't go anywhere, please. Sit, sit, please sit there. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Northeast East Show where your BS is always welcome. Oh, uh, we like Bernie on a Monday night. <laughs> we would love to have your BS every morning. Don't you worry about that. We know what it's like getting up early. And can I just, uh, can I just to say work. to Sunderland fans and Newcastle fans, we're going to bring you just about... You know, I can't say exactly the same because I don't think Bernie would work well up there. But uh, yeah, we're we're currently on the on the scout uh, for a couple of uh, former Newcastle and a couple of former Sunderland players who want to do the Ooh. same. So you're going to be getting your own versions very Brilliant. soon. Very, very cool. Very cool. We're making the headways in 2024. Trust me. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we've got to get on with the rest of the show. Now we're joined with just the championship bros. Uh, Ted, obviously, Dave and I from Borough as well. Uh, we want to. I want to talk about the championship because Kieran Scott again in that elusive podcast that he did spoke about how he thinks next season with the likes of Burnley, Sheffield United, maybe Luton or Everton or something around there might be a bit easier than it was this season. He thinks with Leicester being relegated, Leeds and Southampton, he thinks those three are such massive clubs with good incomes and good stability. Obviously, able to splash the cash with parachute payments that we saw them run away with it this season and it wasn't really a level playing field. Now, next season, he thinks if Burnley come down, uh, Sheffield United, we might see a more even keel next season. Ted, is that something you agree with? Is it is it something that can be deciphered each season with a championship on what type of team comes down, that it could be an easier one than the previous? I, I think it's a really great point. Um, and yes, I, I think that that could be the case. When you look at um, the the quality of those teams, I mean, certainly Leicester are just they're absolutely flying with it, and they're, they're running away with it right now. Heck yeah, um, yeah, yeah, clear and so, gone. Yeah, w- with that, um, th- there's every chance of looking at the, the likes of Burnley. Burnley are kind of stuck with a manager that, because they're given such a, a long contract, I can't see them getting rid of. Um, it would nah. certainly eat into a lot of that parachute payment if they did come down, um, which which is looking likely. So they're kind of stuck with a manager that, all right, might do okay with them again in in the championship, but they were nothing special. They're not on the same level as what Leicester are. That's that's absolutely for sure, without a, a shadow of a doubt. So yeah, with them going, with with the likes of Burnley coming down. Um, with the likes of who went up with Burnley? Come on, come on, <laughs> think, think, think. The Sheffield United, Sheffield United, um, Luton Town. I can't see them. You know, I can't see them tearing up trees in the Championship either. And when you look at you know the potential of what's coming up from League One, obviously you know Ipswich have, have splashed the cash big style. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. see that from from anybody there as well. They're not going up. Mate. Everybody else in that division is beatable. So I, yeah. I think it's a really valid point that next season's championship could be a lot, uh, not easier. It's a, the championship isn't an no. easy division. You're talking about one level down from from the biggest yeah. league and the best league in the world. So yeah. you know it's still a good, still going to be of a reasonably good standard. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think certainly competition wise, we'll have a, we'll have a, a, a little more to go at next season. I think that's fair to say. 
Well, if anything's to go off for the League One table at the moment, Portsmouth are currently first, Derby County in second, Bolton Wanderers sitting in third in that playoff area. So you would see potentially at the moment, if all things ended right now, Portsmouth and Derby coming up, which would be interesting with teams we're quite familiar with. Portsmouth on that uh, that big rebound as well, which would be good to see them coming back up after the, the I guess, yeah, the, the hell and back that they went through. And then obviously we expect Sheffield United, Burnley to come down. Will it be Everton? Or Nottingham Forest, obviously, they've still got sanctions. Could we see Man City, uh, potentially, who has got sanctions facing, you know, imagine Man City coming down to the championship, then we're in big trouble. <laughs> uh, but I, I tend to agree. I think uh, with with the, the comments of, of Leicester, Southampton and Leeds all coming down, Dave, I think it made for a pretty tough championship season for anyone uh, with those three in it. And they, I mean, they're first, second and third. Yeah, but if if the guys who went up last year, there's every chance they'll come back down. Luton, the exception, maybe. Um, but but anybody who replaces three that are going to go up this season uh, are going to make it difficult anyway for next season. So I'm sorry, I don't buy into it. I still think, you know, I still think Burnley, um, if they can keep it together and there's every chance Vincent Company, even through relegation, will still be there next year. The likes of Burnley will come down and still have a head start over us because look 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 how they dominated the championship. Last year, I mean, they yeah, were head yeah. and shoulder. They won. They won the thing, didn't they? They they won promotion yeah, at the Riverside, yeah. um, and yeah. they were head and shoulders above anybody. And to to bear in mind, they've now been in the Premier League a year. They've 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 in, improved their squad. Uh, they've invested and they've got parachute money. They're going to come down just as strong, if not stronger. So, I just yeah. think the Championship will always be one of the toughest leagues there is relative to you know the spend that clubs can do to survive within the championship um so i really don't buy into this subscribe this year has been particularly hard i think we've been particularly off off color as far as borough's concerned you know last mm-hmm. year we had that 45 million quid luxury of the strike force of of giles firing it in from the left of of akpom putting them away of uh, all the rest of the guys the lonies you know that that surrounded yeah. them um I just think we've suffered this year because of that. So I don't think we're a stronger team this year as we were last year. Um, so mm. sorry, sorry to burst that bubble. I just think the championship's no. always going to be tough. That's why we put the question out there to hear the, you know, hear everyone's opinion because I actually think it's, um, I think it's becoming a case of what we see in the Premier League. I mean, we talked to Steve obviously about it, and there's that top six or that top ten. And then really, it's really hard for anyone to sort of break into that. Maybe you get your Wolves or your Brentfords and and maybe Brighton's who can sort of get in and around there. But apart from that, the top six is normally really locked away. And I guess the question is, will that happen in the championship? Will we see teams who are relegated just continually bounce, you know, have that, that those yo-yo teams that constantly take that first, second and third sort of away from you in the championship. And then you have your middle and, and, and your end, which are the teams, you know, bouncing between league one and championship. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think it's good. I, I agree with you. I don't think Burnley coming down makes it any easier for Middlesbrough or even Sunderland if we're still there next season. I think Burnley have signed very well in terms of recruiting championship stars. I mean, they went and got, uh, you know, a fair few. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, for one. They've got a good championship team there if they do come down. Sheffield United, I think. I'm not too sure. Uh, it's more your manager than I think. Uh, you're going to struggle with if you come back down to the championship, but we'll see what happens there. After a selling uh, club, right? And there, yeah, yeah. So it's, I'll be interested to see where Sheffield United uh, land after everything. But uh, yeah, if you see the likes of Everton or Man City or anyone like that through financial fair play come down, then 
My gosh, that could make for a hard wow. run as well. So, man, you will. They're looking to change the rules, aren't they? Right now, we discussed that earlier. Yeah. The meeting to say, hey, let's yeah. scrap this and put something else in. Yeah, yeah, which you know, Everton will be thankful for, won't they? They'll will be they get ten points? Back? Ten point deduction. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. Whoa. Can they do that? Can they do that? Do you know what I mean? They've already ducked him ten points. Can they turn around and say, "Sorry about that. Here you go. My bad." And is like, this the way Man City you know I mean? can escape? Well, then, fifteen sanctions. That's what will be designed exactly. For. That's exactly what they're going to look after them, aren't they? It's literally looking yeah. after them. It's it's crazy. And then you give Everton the 10 points back. How do you feel then if you're Luton Town, who then slide into the relegation zone? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's True. wild that, yeah, how they do that. It's going to open so, a huge can scary. of legal problems. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yes, it is. Indeed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, lads, speaking of legal problems as well, we saw yesterday on the news that a man has been jailed after raking in tens of thousands of pounds for selling unlawful subscriptions to watch Premier League and Championship football online. It's explained over a three-year uh, three period, he ran a website that he accrued around £91,000 in revenue from streaming illegal football games. Teddy boy, we know, I know as much as everyone from watching football down in Australia, you obviously in Cyprus, uh, that it is sometimes hard for us to get our get our hands on football in uh, when you're not in England. Uh, if you can't attend the matches, now with the, the thanks to Borough TV, I, can, I tend to be able to watch every game. And if it's on TV, yeah. obviously I get to watch it through Sky. I dare say you're the same. But if you're a League so, 1, League 2 FC, fan... Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're a League One, League Two team and you're a fan that is uh, abroad, it must be blimmin' hard to catch your football team live. And then you see a man like this who is uh, doing it, albeit illegally, and then facing jail time. Obviously, putting you know the, the the line through anyone else doing it. Is it something where sport should be free for people to watch, or is it? Is I mean, is it? I mean, what, the question of for me is sport brings people together. Uh, but obviously he's, you know, he's done it, albeit illegally. How do you feel about, you know, him facing jail time for, for showing for showing that? Oh, this is this is such a, a, a double-edged sword, mate, to be honest. Because on one hand, characters like this guy will be seen as like a Robin Hood character, you know, yeah. like sort of uh, sticking it to the big companies and all that kind of thing. And, and let's be honest, I, I, I did a little research on this, mate, because I, I knew it was coming up. The average yep. cost, so to have the, all the platforms to watch Premier League football on, uh, to, to you know, for, for the average fan, it's going to cost you around about one hundred and six pounds per month to wow. have all the platforms to watch all the football on. That's in that's these wild. times, in times of austerity, that's a lot. That that is a, a vast amount of money to be paying for me, anyway, certainly. Um, so you can understand why people will try and source um, alternative methods of being able to watch yeah. it. Yeah. You know, when I watch a club game, it costs me around about 10 quid to watch it on SAFC, the uh, the, the Sunderland streaming service. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, you take it, but even then it's like sort of, that's, that's 50 quid a year straight away, or 50 quid a season anyway. Um, yeah. But... You know, to, to, to watch your team, and, and especially for me when I'm a couple of thousand miles away from my team, it's kind of it's a small price to pay. But not everyone's in that position. You know, retired people, unemployed people, they are going to look for those means. Now, yes, like I mentioned, these, these characters are, are kind of Robin Hood characters in, in many ways, um, where they, you know, 
robbing from the rich to give to the poor and you know these yep. subscriptions can be like anything as cheap as a, a tenner for a year you know the, for, for some of the streaming services um the, the the not so legal ones i mean however what you've got to also take into consideration is is the seriousness of things like organized crime um yep. because rarely is this guy kind of you know a, a self-starter kind of um you know, an entrepreneur and all that kind of thing. In a lot of these cases, it's a front for organised crime, um, whether it be you know um, laundering and all that kind of thing. Obviously, copyright theft is a crime anyway, but it's, yes. it's where the proceeds proceeds of this money goes as well. So while it's while it feels like it's like you you scoring a bit of a win and you're getting to see your football team and all that. Ultimately, somewhere down the line, somebody else is losing on this. Not just the football clubs, which, you know, everybody would be quick to say, well, they've got enough money. Well, not always, you know. Like we said at the start of the show, Sunderland nearly went bust over COVID. Um, so they do rely on commercial revenue, especially from TV deals. So it's it's a catch-22. I'd be a lie if I said I've never watched a, a, a stream from it, you know, either a dodgy box or, or whatever, or a dodgy yep. app, yeah. uh, as, as the yep. known as. I'd be a lie if I said uh, that, that I hadn't. But ultimately, somebody does lose out in these things, and it's it's a very, very difficult one to police as well. I know a lot of the yep. police forces are coming down quite heavily on this now and being able to trace they people are. down. Massively. And, man, you, you kind of think, well, yeah, but there's, there's, there's people getting burgled, there's people getting away with like sort of you know, benefit fraud and all this kind of thing, which is which is a much bigger um, monetary issue. It's just picking on some easy low hanging fruit. Um, so that's why it's it's always going to be a bone of contention. I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it. I don't think we'll ever see a day where they can make it a hundred percent secure because there's always a smart guy who find the back door into into doing this anyway. So it's I guess it's up to the the moral uh, compass of of the person who's wanting to watch the game. Well, David, something that I'm privy to, obviously with my YouTube channel, I am no stranger to copyright. Obviously, I used to do uh, I guess watch backs um, where I used to. Put the football on. Uh, yep. I would sit there and I would I would record myself, uh, and then I would edit it and put it onto my YouTube channel. Obviously, there would be football that's then. The, that's where we got um, to know you from, mate. Exactly. Yeah. And and anyway, I found myself uh, in trouble for showing the football, even in a in a in a past tense. Uh, copyright laws uh, yep. quickly came on to me through YouTube, saying that you're not allowed to show the football because there are highlights and and packages that go out to various media outlets, and I was not allowed to show any football actual anymore. So we turned it into watch alongs. Um, is it something that you think is we're too harsh on or is it something that oh. you, 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 I mean, in the media that you think, um, you know, it, it, we're doing the right thing and that we need to keep cracking down on the copyright laws so that, you know, I mean, this man is facing 12 months prison. He's facing 91,000 pounds of debt uh, that you'll have to pay back as well. Now I can understand when you're charging someone for it, uh, and you're making profit out of it. I think that's obviously you're crossing line. But, but I mean, how do you feel about someone like Ted or I just, you know, doing a reaction to our football team? Well, there's, uh, after there's, a two, there's two sides to this, and I've got to wear two hats to this because I've just spent the last three years working for FIFA dealing in media rights around the world. Yeah. You know, in, yep. in, in, in my case, it was 105 countries. Um, and we yep. were we were doing some, well, I was doing some serious negotiations. You know, we were talking hundreds of millions 
Um, I, I can't go too far into it because I had to sign, yep. you know, pri- privacy NDA, agreements, yeah. NDAs, yeah, with, uh, yeah, with, with FIFA course, for the yeah. work I was doing. But some of these deals were hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in value. And, and it's all to, this is all to do with copyright because yep. football competitions own um, the rights for those competitions. Now, in the case of the Premier League, it's the Premier League that own those rights. In the case of the FA Cup, it's the FA that own those rights. And they're worth money. They're, they, are, uh, they, are, uh, a com- they have commercial value. You can monetize these rights. And I remember a long time ago when... TV was becoming starting to become important for football, and, and I remember a football chairman saying, "It'll not be it'll not be too long before eighty percent of my revenue will come through TV rights." You know, wow. it, and and you can you can almost forget selling season tickets because fans paying to get in will really be such an insignificant part of my revenue, and yeah. and that's how that's how powerful. And that's how valuable TV rights have become. They they do make up yeah. the lion's share of revenue of a football club. So, you know, if I've got to put my business hat on to answer that question, and obviously bearing in mind the commercial deals I was doing around media yeah, rights for the last three years in, when I was working for FIFA, I've got to tell you, it's an absolute lifeline to to football clubs, to football competitions, to football associations. Because that's where they get the money to invest, whether it's in players for a football club, whether it's a league to grow the league and pay prize money to the clubs that are participating, or an FA to filter down to grassroots football. Let's not forget, that's that's where a lot of the FA's responsibilities lie these days, because yep. so many competitions are becoming independent to the football associations. Like, the FA doesn't own the Premier League anymore, the FA doesn't own the Football League, so they don't see, they don't see huge amounts of money coming in from those competitions. So... So they have a value and they're massively important. So I do get the business sense in shutting these operations down. I do get the reason why it's like music. If I if, if us on this radio station hadn't paid our license fees to play the music, I'd be shut down and yeah. I'd be thrown in prison and fined exactly. a lot of money. Yeah. So so I get that. So there's one argument. The other argument is, is football a cause for what is a massive explosion an interest, an attraction in these illegal streaming services because fans are getting priced out of it. You know, that's another yeah. argument. Are ticket prices too much? Yeah. Is it, is it just, is it getting to the point where, you know, large numbers of fans can't afford to go and support their team anymore? Therefore, they are being attracted to this. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And we've seen in the UK, I know you two guys are out the UK, but just in the last couple of yeah. weeks, there's now... Um, notification going round that uh, police are able to trace people using these dodgy sticks or dodgy boxes, oh, really? and they're going to start knocking on wow. doors when when they know they're watching them, and they're going to start prosecuting wow. people for using the service, not just people who are providing the service. Yeah, it seems to be a real big push for it. I mean, I, I was doing my YouTube channel for about a year, I think it was, where I was doing reactions to match watch-alongs and stuff like that. And it was around December, I think it was, of, of, of last year, maybe a little bit earlier, where I started to get a little inkling that, uh, and I think as the channel grew, obviously as well, more people watching, it sort of became more apparent that I wasn't going to be able to show any football anymore. So it was interesting for me to, to, to and I was lucky enough that I had the chance to switch it to watch alongs, which I love doing, but 
a lot of people were in my DM saying, why don't you watch the football anymore? Why, you know, why can't I see the actual things? And there's certain sites, I guess, in TikTok and, and Instagram. And you still get it now, don't you, with your watch-alongs. People, you yeah, still have I to do. explain to people, yeah. I am not showing the game. Every day, every game I get asked, why can't I show the game? Why can't I show the audio? And it's, and I would get absolutely done through the ringer. I'm, you know, I've, I've already have been. So, you know, it is, it is an interesting thing that, that is happening and, and it's now seems to be cracking down more and more. And I think it's, um, it's, it's an interesting direction because there are a lot of people out there that source their sport illegally and it's, and it's, it's illegal now. Uh, and these dodgy yeah. boxes and these, and these, uh, YouTubes and all, you know, the, the, these, you know, these stream sites that, that show the football legally uh, are getting absolutely hammered and it's incredible. And this guy may be the first of many. I mean, he's facing jail term with a 91,000 pound debt. Um, now, obviously, if you're taking money in it, um, you know, then the people that, you know, you know want to shut you down, they're going to want that money paid back as well. So it's an, it's an incredible thing uh, and it's one to watch because I love sport. I think sport brings people together. I think sports should be free, but it's not. It's not ever going to be free. We're moving into a, a world of subscriptions where we, you know, Ted yeah. and I have subscriptions to, you know, thousands of things well, to, to, just mean, to watch our football club from Netflix, overseas. The reason, Spotify, Amazon. Yeah. yeah, and the reason why it you can't know, be free is you saw in the Borough accounts, which were released a few weeks ago. Exactly. What was the, exactly. What was the number? It's 15 million quid a year just to operate the football club. That's not to do with yep. players' salaries. That's nothing like that. It's just to operate, you know, the stadium and the training ground and the staff that are needed to make the club run. You know, exactly, so if yeah. you're starting at having to having to raise around fifteen million quid just to be operational, then you're talking about playing staff. Then you're talking about players' salaries. Then you're talking about transfer yep. fees, all agents' fees, all that kind of stuff. You can see why football has to charge. Yep. No, I completely agree. But it's a and chicken it's, and egg you know, thing, though, Dave, isn't it? It's a, it's a chicken and egg thing because obviously, with the increased football TV revenue, became that you know, sort of was born out. Of that was this whole massive thing about wage increases, players demanding more because the the mm. other clubs are getting more. It's kind of this knock-on effect. But I, I I do agree with you. I don't think that can be reversed, though. No, it can't. And, and obviously, the clubs do need the, that revenue now, but. It's the TV deals in the first place that, that spiralled this whole thing out. Of well, I'd ask, I'd ask, where does the yeah. fault lie? Does the fault lie with yeah. the clubs for being willing to pay the wages that we're seeing being paid now? And the genie's out the bottle. It'll never be pushed back in. Or are no, we are we no. laying the blame at Can't the feet of agents who, like you say, Ted, spot this new TV deal, spot there's more money going yeah. into the game, so they're demanding higher yeah. and higher fees? Where's, where's, where's the fault? Curious. Agent Scott 100%. spoke about that on the on the podcast. He said, you know, with the the deal that came through for Morgan Rogers and the money that was being rumoured didn't help Middlesbrough's negotiations with footballers that they were currently interested in. Now, if you're a club looking at Middlesbrough and you're saying, and they've we've currently got, you know, Middlesbrough have currently got interest in my striker and we're willing to pay, say, $2 million, and then all of a sudden the news article pops up that we've actually just gone and gotten $16 million for Morgan Rogers... Well, you know, it kind of changes the narrative, doesn't it? And, and it changes the question. So it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, and I can hear Hello. my lovely Daz. Daz, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Morning, sunshine. On yes, that bombshell. Been a fantastic show, Daz. It has Boy. been We're great talking show. about copyright laws yeah. and, and everything like that. And uh, it's been... Uh, been an interesting one to obviously as a youtuber uh, I, as well to, yeah. to, to navigate through I, I heard earlier on about the uh 
um, your ideal dinner party, you know, who would you have in a dinner party, oh, alive yes. or dead? Yes, that's, I'd, I'd go, go for on. the alive people. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not like yeah, yeah, just not nonsense. That's what you can expect uh, at my show this morning. We've got all the usual stuff. <laughs> That's the most that's Absolutely the most Daz comment ever. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to Love disappoint. It. <laughs> oh no. Well, well, it never does. <laughs> well, we'll be John... back tomorrow with your Northeast Preggy show. We'll be without a Ted the Mackham, but we will have a Steve Wraith joining Let us. Me go. Back tomorrow for all the shenanigans. <laughs> have a fantastic show, Daz. Thank you. Have a great See you, day. See you boys. From Yarm to Yibby. Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast.